Hello and welcome to Afternoonified, the podcast where we definitely don't have any pioneers under the floorboards. I'm Emily. And I'm Sarah. Emily, what's that smell? Nothing. told you the other day the mythos of this show is becoming that emily is a serial killer <laughs> just the mythos of the show yes uh, i can assure you there are no pioneers under my floorboards i live in a second story apartment no you just keep them in the closet no that's where we keep travis <laughs> i don't am i allowed to do callbacks to jokes we made on monster pod probably i'm trying to laugh less at quote nothing so see i don't laugh at nothing i laugh at you because you're funny thank you I laugh at you because you're funny. Um, let's see. Crypticon was fun. Thank you to the eights of people who didn't go to Jonah Ray's panel and came to see us instead. If you were at Jonah Ray's panel, you weren't treated to the comedic stylings of Sugar Plum Gary, so that's on you. Sugar Plum Gary? Sugar Plum Gary. Is this this is this some uh, spec script in joke I'm not part of? It's it's not actually. Um I God help me, I can't remember his, uh, he is a Seattle-based comedian that I can't remember the name of right now, but he has a character, and he basically, he put on this, like, old, beat-up Christmas onesie over his clothes, and he has, like, a big beard and long hair, and he just kind of shuffled out and asked everybody how their Christmas was going, and then proceeded to tell the backstory of his character, Sugar Plum Gary, about how Santa visited his orphanage one year and how he was the only survivor. And <laughs> then he took questions about Christmas from people. And it was this, like, welcome to Night Vale level, like, malevolent glowing orb in the sky is going to destroy us all, kind of. It was beautiful. And that sounds delightful. He was, like, doing the opening for Spec Script, and I honestly think that he uh, he outshone it. <laughs> It would be like if the Beatles were opening for Eminem. In some weird alternate universe where Eminem was a rapper in the 60s? Or the all of the Beatles were still alive or in that the too, late I guess. 90s. So Crypticon was fun. Uh, I looked at Jonah Ray and I breathed the same air as Cheryl Lee from Twin Peaks. I did not speak to either of them because I am a weenie. <laughs> So if you you were brought here by the piles of stickers that I left around the hotel, then hail and well met. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry you found them. It's like finding a Jumanji board. Think you're in for just a second and then monkeys. Okay. Where where do the monkeys come in? You're going to find. You're not. I don't know. <laughs> there were monkeys in Jumanji. It was. I've had a, a real day, Sarah. As we've uh, discussed. No, Today, we are going to talk about the benders, the bloody benders, the ones that Laura, Laura Ingalls uh, Wilder lied about. Or maybe she didn't lie. It was more like a altered uh, truth. Tall tale. Tall tale. It was very tall. <laughs> we'll get into... I'm not here to shame her. We'll just get into why I was going to say, story. don't you dare call out Laura Ingalls uh, Wilder, I, my hero. I have very little knowledge of her work. Oh, I could talk about Laura Ingalls Wilder. <laughs> That's I a grew up podcast. on the prairie. Oh, yeah. You literally had literally. a moderate-sized house on the prairie. <laughs> I had never seen a prairie until I visited you, and we flew over what I assume was one. Yeah, that would have been mostly prairie. Yep. We did not go. There's no prairie in the Twin Cities. For some reason, I thought it would be like cornfields and stuff, but... Well, you were here, here in May? Yeah, it's about a year ago. Yeah, they haven't planted yet. <laughs> um, so the Bender family was a group of possibly, but maybe not related people who murdered travelers in their Kansas home in the 1800s. Um, details of them are few and very far between because they were never caught and they were never brought to justice. And also it was the 1800s, so they couldn't fucking run fingerprints on them. Maybe they're still alive today and they're right behind you. No, that's just Travis's closet. So I'm just, I'm going to tell the version of the story that I've managed to piece together from online sources and also Little Slaughterhouse on the Prairie by Harold Schechter. Little Slaughterhouse? That's my, 
That's the best title of a book I think I've ever heard in my entire life. In a lot of cases where there was like conflicting reports about something, I tended to go with Harold Schechter's version because he is like one of the big names in true crime writing. Um, also, I trust him. I was going to say he wrote a book and didn't copy and paste something from elsewhere on the internet. Correct. Um, unlike the other articles that I copy and pasted from on the internet. <laughs> but it was it was hard because there are a lot of conflicting reports and I kind of had to make some calls on which one I thought was more believable. So this is definitely a, if you want to do extra reading, go ahead. There's a lot. All right. In 1870, the Bender family, consisting of Ma and Pa, daughter Katie, and son John Jr., rolled into Labette County, Kansas, near what is now the town of Cherryvale on the Santa Fe Trail, which is a trail that connects Franklin, Missouri, with Santa Fe, New Mexico. Kind of like the Oregon Trail, but for lower expectations. (laughs) Uh, They built a one-room cabin on 167 acres of land and settled in. So Ma and Pa, which are the names that everyone knew them by, were thought to be German immigrants and didn't speak much English. Pa, in particular, only spoke English with such a guttural accent that no one could actually understand what he was saying. And Ma was said to be so aggressive and unfriendly that many referred to her as She-Devil, which was nice. I mean, although the elder benders kept to themselves, their adult children, Kate and John, regularly attended Sunday school in the nearby town of Harmony Grove, so they were a little more integrated into uh, society. Most of the socialization with the neighbors and townsfolk was left to John and Katie, or Kate mostly because John, and I quote, was considered a half-wit because he would sometimes burst out laughing at nothing in particular. Oh, so he's crazy. Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. (laughs) Um, He was social, but he was decidedly weird, and people treated him kind of like uh, Forrest Gump. Mm. Uh, Kate, on the other hand, was considered to be charming and beautiful by most and ugly by others in wildly varying accounts. Um, which it's almost like beauty is subjective. I have some quotes from uh, Little Slaughterhouse on the Prairie about Kate. If I can figure out how to find my bookmarks on this. As someone who knew Kate said, she was described as being between 18 and 24 years of age. Her hair was dark, rich auburn. She had deep grayish blue or dark gray eyes. She was over medium height, some five feet, six or seven inches tall, slender, well-formed, voluptuous mold, fair skin, white as milk, rose complexion. She was good looking, a remarkably handsome woman, rather bold and striking in appearance with a tigerish grace and animal attraction, which I bet, which but few men could resist. So that is one of the accounts. Okay. Here's another one by someone else who allegedly knew Kate Bender. This gets real mean. I'm not trying to body shame Kate Bender. Her face wasn't so bad-featured, but her hair was long and seldom combed. She had a wild look that was scary. I don't think she ever took a bath, and there were creases in her neck filled with dirt. She had the body of a cow. As for sex attraction, she would have had to pay the most forlorn cowboy who hadn't seen a woman in a year to get near her. What the fuck? Now I'm going to send you a picture of Kate Bender. Um, the whole family, actually. And uh, you tell me. Oh, look, it's shirtless Bud Ben Feldman and Orlando Bloom. You're welcome. <laughs> Still just sitting in that chat. I'm going to get Ben Feldman on the show sometime. Mark my words. Here is the Bender family and their house for shits and gigs. She looks. She looks cute. She looks right? fine. Yeah. John um, looks like a fucking idiot. Uh, the Wolfman in the bottom left. Uh, definitely yeah. a looker. Um, I'm trying to think of who she reminds me of. I don't know. I'm not going to be able to think of it here, but yeah. Yeah. She's fine. And that guy who described her as cow-like can go suck at his own dick, I guess. Um, pretty much. So yeah, uh, wildly varying accounts on what Kate Bender looked like. Uh, she also fancied herself as a psychic and a medium and even advertised her services and communed with the dead on behalf of the locals. 
The whole family seemed to subscribe to the spiritualist school of thinking, though from what I can tell, Kate was the only one who um, was a medium. Okay. Allegedly. Allegedly. And a sidebar for anyone who doesn't know what spiritualism in is, uh, it was a quasi-religion uh, movement during the mid-1800s to the late 1920s. Yeah. Give or, give or take. Uh, it was based on being able to communicate with the dead and believing in an afterlife and all of that, like Ouija board seance bullshit. Ghosts and spooky shit. Yes. There were a lot we of should do an me- episode on spiritualism. I believe that's, it's planned. Um, it, a lot of famous mediums and a lot of fakers came out during this time, like the uh, Graves, Grave Sisters? Fox Sisters? Fox Sisters and their uh, clicky ankles. Yeah, they, um, I thought it was like their toy, toe joint toe joints they did something under the table that made like clicking sounds that people took to be as ghost communication yeah people in the 1800s are pretty dumb and then there was another girl who like summoned a ghost that would like come out and like do a set of just talking to people it's insane (laughs) for more information on spiritualism see the entirety of the podcast lore (laughs) yeah basically so, Kate often went by the title, you're going to like this. Oh, boy. Profe- Professor Miss Katie Bender. I'm going to start referring to myself as that. Not Professor- Katie Bender. I'm going to use my own name, but Professor Mister. Um, I'm going to send you a picture of her ad that she was putting out under this name. Um, and just to give the people a break from my voice, do you want to read her ad for a spiritualist? I would love to do that. God, this is great. Professor Miss Katie Bender can hear all sorts of diseases. Oh, can heal. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like... One, it's an old-timey writing. Two, can you hear a disease? Okay. Sounds like malaria. (laughs) Okay. Professor Miss Katie Bender can heal all sorts of diseases, can cure blindness, fits, deafness in all such diseases. Don't use the same word twice in one, literally one sentence. Um, also, deaf and dumbness. You already... Sorry, I shouldn't be copy editing her uh, ad here <laughs> as I'm reading <laughs> uh, Residence, 14 miles east of Independence on the road from Independence to Osage. Mission one in one half mile southeast of Nora Head Station. Katie Bender, June 18th, 1872. I kind of wish that we had read that like we were doing a Civil War documentary. <laughs> We'd actually need like... Avalon Leonetti in here to do that voice. He, would, he does it perfectly. Yeah, he would do it really well. I'm too nasal to be a Civil War documentary uh, narrator. So yeah, she went by Professor Miss Katie Bender and was known in the region to be able to contact the dead and perform, as we heard, miracles of healing and hearing. <laughs> uh, she would conduct seances and give lectures on spiritualism in nearby towns. In these lectures, Kate allegedly advocated for free love and gave her views on why murder was justified. Didn't specify what kind of uh, murders and why they were justified. Um, uh, she was like a, like an old westerny pioneery Charles Manson. Like I know she's a serial killer, but if you just told me about her, like without having known any of the background, she would sound pretty cool. Like yeah. a little nuts, but definitely pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the Benders would distribute circulars advertising Kate's abilities and lectures, like you you just read. And despite rumors that her powers were satanic in nature, she was able to make some additional money with the lecturing. Hmm. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, the Benders turned their home into a general store and an inn, which was insane because the cabin itself was one room that was 16 by 24 feet. Good lord. Uh, which is only a little bigger than my last studio apartment, and I sure as fuck wasn't going to be running a general store out of the front of it. No, not... I can see an old-timey inn because, I mean, you throw up some curtains and you put a bed there and that's what people are used to, but how do you do that and have room for general store stuff? Uh, The cabin was divided into two sections by a wagon canvas, with one section being the living quarters and the other being the public inn and general store, selling, quote, Various essential goods, such as tobacco, horse feed, black powder, and alcohol. You know, the essentials. essentials. I would venture to say you probably shouldn't be buying black powder and alcohol at the same time. Uh, Why not? That's the most fun part. 
Uh, the Bender Inn was also open to those in need of a place to stay during their travels on the uh, Santa Fe slash Osage Trail. I think it was the Osage Trail back then, but now it's the Santa Fe Trail. Hmm. Did Santa, yeah, Santa Fe had to have existed by that point, right? 70, yeah. 70, 1870s? Were, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, like I said, the Oregon Trail with lowered expectations. Like, they were trying <laughs> to go to the, the new land. Many people, mostly men traveling alone, were also drawn to the inn by Kate. Well, yeah. It was hot. <laughs> Arguably hot. <laughs> and John Jr. would also intercept travelers on occasion and convince them to come stay at the inn. Their store was marked only with a wooden sign that said grocery spelled G-R-O-C-R-Y. That's most of the letters. It's uh, like if this was a movie script and we were doing foreshadowing, <laughs> you know, a sign that looks like it says go cry. Wait, there wasn't an R, an extra R? There, there is. There is, but if you look at it fast. Yeah, that's fair. Grow cry. Grow cry. <laughs> Staying at this inn would end up being a very poor and ill-advised decision for at least 11 people. No, really? Really, really. Uh, at the end of my notes, I actually have a full list of the victims. Um, I am taking a page from Billy Jensen's book. <laughs> And I'm just going to read you guys the names of these victims that these fucking assholes, like, took away. It's going to be emotional for everybody. I'm already crying. Um, This happened, you know, 100 years ago, so we're allowed to laugh? I think that's the rule? When is the too soon? I don't know. My favorite murder has covered more recent murders than this, and... Oh, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. <laughs> uh, In May 1871... Oh, wait, no. In 1871... Kate took a short-lived job as a waitress at a hotel and made friends with a fellow waitress named Julie Hassler. She invited Julie to her house for a seance as they had that as a shared interest. I mean, what the fuck else do you have in common with Kate Bender? I'm going to start listing seances as a hobby under my Tinder profile. Do you have a Tinder profile? I don't use it, but it's eh. there. <laughs> Uh, Julie described the house as squalid and, quote, a sore sight, and that there was a foul stench she couldn't locate um, and a large number of bottle flies. Uh, yeah, that's never a good thing. <laughs> I some... like how it got progressively louder, <laughs> like a fly. <laughs> At some point, I was just seeing how long I could keep that little... Wavelength consistent. I mean, Ryan used to try to make dicks with her wavelengths, so... <laughs> I've done that a couple times. I do keep an eye out for them. I just don't call it out every time I make a audio dick. Uh, my laugh looks like a little fish skeleton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so she invited her over for a seance, and she described the house as being gross. That's the too long didn't read for that. To be fair, uh, I bet a lot of places were probably pretty gross if you're oh, living definitely. in Kansas in the 1870s. Oh, for sure. Um, she also described opening her eyes during the seance to see that the other three benders had tiptoed into the room, and it looked as if Pa was brandishing an axe. Alarmed. <laughs> what? Yeah. Alarmed, she excused herself to the outhouse, not even fucking kidding, and ran from the house never to return. <laughs> what the yeah, can you imagine, like, just sitting at a table, eyes closed with your gal pal, like, summoning some ghosts, and then you, like, crack an eye, and there's just, like, three people gathered behind her, one of whom is a fucking wolf man holding an axe. Oh, boy. And then you're like, I'm sorry, may I please be excused to yield outhouse, and then just fucking booking it. Um, I'm in, sorry, I gotta go take a shit. <laughs> uh, in Harold Schechter's books, it was said that she tossed her calico skirts over her shoulders so she didn't <laughs> trip on them as she fled. Oh my gosh, this poor girl. Yeah, so from that's what horrifying. I'm what I'm imagining, she opened her eyes, saw this, and then there was a Julie shaped cloud of dust at the table. <laughs> oh my god, okay. Uh, so then, in May of 1871, the body of a man identified as William Jones, a stonesman on his way to Independence, was found at Drum Creek by two boys who were on their way to go fishing. He was face down in the mud and had his throat slit and head smashed in by a blunt object. He had also been 
robbed. Well, obviously. Obviously. The following year, two more were found with the same injuries in the same area. By 1873, there were numerous missing persons in the vicinity, enough that people were start starting to avoid traveling through that part of uh, Kansas altogether. That that really says something, because I feel like back in the day, that had to be a more frequent occurrence. People you know, going like missing? Just people just going missing, people fucking off, and you never well, hear from them again? Like, I, actually, at the time, To the no point one... where it's odd, like, it's got to be a lot of people. Yeah, uh, well, up until that point, no one really had any suspicion, since it was the old west um and as we know from the works of seth mcfarlane there are a million ways to die in the west (laughs) at least 75 of them involving blunt force trauma and robbery yeah so it didn't help that the trail that like it didn't help that the trail that people were disappearing on past the bender homestead um and that area was known as a haunt for thieves and robbers and all sorts of unsavories um so it was kind of expected that some people who started west would not make it west yeah i feel like that was kind of an expectation uh so as the vanish the vanishments the vanishings the vanishments i like that better as the vanishments continued blame was aimed at of course the local native american tribes which were seen to be holding a grudge against oh really oh they were thought to be holding a grudge against white men for advancing west I wonder why they would be. I know, it's, uh, but this suspicion would change when one mysterious disappearance would draw attention to the weird but otherwise unassuming so far Bender family. Yes, the unassuming wolfman and his psychic daughter. I would watch the ever-loving shit out of that show. <laughs> let's, let's get this started in development, Emily. <laughs> I'll call HBO. They have an open slot now. It can't be any worse than the last two episodes of Game of Thrones. <laughs> you don't like ye old reusable coffee cup? I mean, to be fair, at no point in the show did they ever say that coffee houses do not exist in Westeros. Right? Maybe it's just, it's an alternate universe. For all we know, like, it could be Stark in the future. Starbucks. I mean, the Baratheons aren't going to be opening a coffee chain. No, they're all dead. There's one. <laughs> There's one, and he needs something to occupy his time. So, yeah, the the Benders, they in trouble. Yeah. In the winter of 1872, a man named George Longcourt and his two-year-old daughter went missing on their way to Iowa after the death of Mr. Longcourt's uh. wife. In the spring of 1873, Dr. William York, a neighbor of the Longcourts, went on a quest to try to locate them. But he, too, ended up vanishing without a trace. Oh, that's that's never... That's never good. Uh, luckily, I guess, I don't know if it really matters at this point, uh, Dr. William York had two brothers named Colonel Ed York and Senator Alex York. Oh, the, they both sound very important. That's not that the kind of person you want to kill. A very successful family. <laughs> a doctor... Say a doctor, a colonel, and a senator? Uh, yeah. Th- those York parents, like, really... Really scored with that. They had their shit together. Yeah. Um, uh, Both of his brothers were aware of William's travel plans, so when he failed to reach his destination, they were immediately ready to launch a thorough investigation. A massive search was mounted for their missing brother, involving over 50 men, and every traveler and homestead along the trail was questioned. Yet no one had any idea where the doctor had gone. Hmm. Uh, Colonel York took it upon himself to travel to Labette County you know, where this is all happening, um, and become the lead on the investigation into the area's numerous disappearance cases. Uh, From the beginning, the Bender family behaved very suspiciously. Uh, One account of Ma Bender states that she became violent after being questioned about reports of a woman who claimed she had been threatened with weapons while staying at the inn. I mean, it's Old West. I feel like, isn't that pretty standard for most inns? Being threatened with weapons? Sure. Sure. I mean... If I went to, like, a Holiday Inn today, I would kind of expect <laughs> no one to have a hammer, but it's a different time. Um, York got together a band of armed men and descended upon the inn. When confronted, Ma Bender denied the woman's reports and made the bizarre claim that the woman had been a witch who had cursed her coffee. Ah, <laughs> oh, what a dame. She sounds great. Just imagine that all in, like, a thick, almost unintelligible 
German-ish <laughs> German accent. <laughs> she then <sighs> commanded the men to leave her property at once. The men, as well as several neighboring families, were all convinced that the benders were guilty. Yeah, no shit. But there was no hard evidence to pin anything on them, so they left without further incident. Now, I need you to remember that they didn't do anything because they didn't have any evidence. This is gonna... <laughs> this is gonna come into play later. Okay. Much later. Um, a town meeting was held to discuss the investigation, and it was decided that every local homestead would be searched in order to find any evidence that might lead to the discovery of the missing persons. Which, I, I don't think that's legal now. I don't think it was legal then. Fair. But also, you're in Kansas in the 1870s, and who the hell is going to enforce that? Like The man who's a military member? <laughs> um, I think also if they agree to it, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, if you let the cops in, they can search your place. Plus, I don't think there were cops in Labette County, Kansas in 1972. No, you're just... You got a sheriff. Talking to the folks. Who have decided that they are the investigators. Literal folks. Like, this is, these are folks. (laughs) Pa and John Jr. attended this meeting and presumably began to fear that if the search were to take place on their land, they would be in some deep shit. Probably. Luckily for them, uh, bad weather hit the area and prevented the search from happening right away. A week later, a local named Charles Nelson discovered an abandoned wagon with a starved Scottish terrier and two horses attached to it. Oh. In the back of the wagon was a sign that said grocery. <sighs> Grocery. <laughs> Grocery. <laughs> That's how they spelled it back then. They didn't have enough money for that E. Vowels cost money. The E wasn't invented until 1913. <laughs> Made things real difficult. <laughs> just imagine the Bible with no E's. It's just the Bibble. <laughs> the Bibble. And Jesus. Why are we laughing so hard? <laughs> oh my god, it's even that funny. For some reason, I just have the Eminem song without me, but it's just without E. <laughs> Anyways. So, wagon. Abandoned wagon. Is the dog okay? Uh, The dog was still alive, so um, I think they call it a hellish creature at some point. I don't have any word on what happened to the Scottish Terrier. A little Scottish Terrier? Yeah. It's just extra yippy. Like, how much damage can a Scottish Terrier do? I think it was because they knew it belonged to the Benders. Mm. Yeah, fair. It's like if Ted Bundy's cat got out. Like <laughs> three weeks after that, a cattle hen, a kid, <laughs> started with an accent. <laughs> three weeks after that, a cattle hand by the name of Silas Toll was driving cattle past the Bender property when he noticed that the inn seemed to be abandoned with unfed animals milling about their pastures and no sign of any human activity. Toll alerted Leroy Dick, the town's trustee, who alerted York, and on May 5th, 1872, uh, a search of the property ensued. So we're about almost a year to the... Yeah, uh, about a year. A year since uh, the first body was found. So not bad. Not a bad turnover. Honestly, No, they're doing a lot better than, like... The hot dog squad did with BTK. <laughs> Another famous Kansas serial killer. Oh, shit. Yeah. Man, you guys are fucked up over there. Are you okay? <laughs> uh, several hundred volunteers converged upon the inn to find that it was, in fact, empty. A search of the inside of the home confirmed, and it was found that all of the food, clothes, and family possessions were gone. The whole family had just left. Oh, as you do when the law is coming. As the men searched the home, a foul odor was noticed coming from somewhere, and it was mm-hmm. soon found Everywhere? to be emanating from a trap door underneath the dining table. Oh, no. When it was opened, they were faced by a smell so awful that they had to leave the home. On York's orders, the house was torn apart piece by piece until they unearthed the basement where a stone slab used as the floor was covered in coagulated, quote, festering, unquote, blood. Oh. Yeah. Uh. They started to break apart the stone and found that the ground underneath was also saturated in blood. Uh, Colonel York was convinced this blood was human. Well, I would imagine. I mean, it could also be animal blood, but I don't think you do a lot of your pig slaughtering underneath the house. In the basement? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It was out in the vegetable garden where they would find the first body. 
uh, the missing Dr. York lay face down just below the surface of a mound of disturbed soil with blunt force trauma to the head and his throat cut. The men continued the search and made the discovery of another nine bodies buried haphazardly around the property, as well as various body parts that did not seem to match. Uh, yike. That's unpleasant. Uh, long story short, it suggested that there were more than just nine yeah. bodies on the prop. Well, ten bodies at this point. Ten with the Dr. York. Yeah. Ten with Dr. And do York. They, um, do they consider the couple bodies they found in the river as part of their death count? Or I just be- the bodies found in the farm? I believe so. They Okay. Yeah. So it's at least 11, probably way more. Gotcha. Uh, most of the corpses had their heads similarly bludgeoned with some sort of blunt object, like a hammer, and their throats had been slit. Among the bodies was, and I'm sorry about this, no. uh, the infant daughter of the missing Mr. Longcore, buried uh, underneath the body of her father. I don't like it. As well as the mutilated body of an eight-year-old. What? Some of the bodies had been mutilated in what was described as an indecent manner. I don't know what a decent manner of mutilation would be, but I'm also <laughs> not an old-timey detective. Indecent makes me think something happened to their junk. No. Oh, I don't know. I might well, be just a weirdo who immediately jumps to that conclusion. I mean, that would make sense. Only one body, that of uh, Mr. Lauscher. Uh, How did I pronounce that the first eight times? <laughs> Lauscher's two-year-old daughter had remained mostly intact, and it was thought that she had been killed by strangulation or perhaps even buried alive. Good God. How do you, like, strangle a two-year-old? Like, I know mechanically, but, like, how do you... Ugh. That's terrible. Oh, I mean, these people were monsters. Really? I guess the dad was Wolfman. The discovery of so many shallowly buried, brutally murdered corpses was so horrifying that the area was nicknamed Hell's Half Acre. Yeah. And the family itself became known in the media as the Bloody Benders. It's a um, good spooky name. Which, I don't want to get too blue on this podcast. Bloody Benders sounds like really bad concerning diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I'm just saying, if you... No, I got blood- there about halfway through the sentence, and I, I, yeah, I get it. Yep, yep. Yep. Go see a doctor. If you have the bloody benders. In addition to the bodies and the body parts, several types of hammers, including a claw hammer and sledgehammer, as well as knives, were also found in the house. Uh, no word on whether a ball peen was on the scene. I imagine those are also probably, I mean, obviously they were used to murder people, but knives and hammers. They're farm tools. Yeah, yeah. got lots of those. Um. In the aftermath of this discovery, investigators started to paint a picture of the story behind the Bender Inn. Are you ready for this picture that is being painted? I'm I'm ready. Paint me a picture. It was thought that the visitors to the inn would sit down for dinner at a seat near the curtain that separated the house into two sections, after which the unsuspecting victim would be bludgeoned to death with a hammer from behind the curtain. Their throat slit and their body would be dumped down the trapdoor into the secret room. It was also thought that Kate Bender would hold her seances in the house, during which guests would be encouraged to sit with their backs against the canvas curtain. So they would kill people that came to seances, too? Yes. Ugh. Yeah, there's no way to track people. I mean, I'll give them credit. It's efficient. I mean, you don't have to give them credit. Again, they did <laughs> murder 11 kill plus 11 people. people. <laughs> I'm just saying, they had a very good system down. So, while Kate kept them preoccupied, one of the other benders, most likely Pla... Pla. <laughs> Pla. Wolfman. Pa or John Bender Jr. would bludgeon the guest with a hammer. Um, they stripped the bodies, and they were kept hidden in the cellar until they were able to be buried somewhere on the property, with a favorite place being a nearby orchard. I bet those are great trees. Lots of nutrients. Oh, and that was an episode of American Gods called Bone Orchard. <laughs> Also a really good band name. I was going to say. It sounds pretty metal. Get that in a spiky, unreadable font. Oddly, around a dozen or so bullet holes were found in the roof and walls of the inn, uh, suggesting that some of the killings didn't go entirely according to plan. Um, It was believed that Kate Bender in particular was responsible for bringing in clients 
who she seduced and then distracted with her, quote, charming disposition and good looks, unquote. It was also thought that John Jr.'s half-wit personality was a misdirection so that he might gain people's trust more easily. Hmm. Yeah, that tracks. I mean, who are you going to... think he's Forrest Gump. I was going to say, who are you going to trust more, Forrest Forrest Gump Gump. or Jeffrey Dahmer? I guess the whole point is that people were very trusting of Jeffrey Dahmer. (laughs) I I think Jeffrey Dahmer did okay, considering. Who are you going to trust more, Forrest Gump or Charles Manson? Well... (laughs) Okay, bad examples. Yeah. OJ Simp, nope. Richard Chase? Here here's here's good here's good advice. Don't trust anybody. Don't trust men. Don't trust yeah, hot there you Don't go. trust hot redheads, too, I guess. <laughs> Crimes were sensationalized in newspapers, uh, drawing thousands of curious onlookers to see the house. And we've talked about this before. Yeah, say some people vis- have been weirdos for since the beginning of time. Some visitors would even take pieces of the house as a souvenir, and eventually the entire house was disassembled due to this pro- like this process. So they had to take the house apart to a certain extent to get to the basement without having to climb down the trap door. Mm-hmm. But then what was left, people were like, hmm, huh. that's a nice piece of the... That's a cool like, souvenir. Yeah. Ooh, a doorknob for me. And then 50 years later, someone's going through their grandpa's trunk and it's like, oh, it's a piece of wood. I kind of wonder what happened to that stuff sometimes. Yeah, me too. What did happen to those Christmas cake raisins? They probably went in the trash. Yeah. Eventually. I mean, you could do do a pressing. Some great, great niece digs them up and goes, why are there old raisins in the bottom of my grandma's trunk? And then you toss them. Let this be a lesson to anyone who's thinking about buying murder memorabilia. (laughs) It's all trash. In the end. Uh, Meanwhile, the townsfolk were out for vengeance and ended up torturing several of their fellow townsfolk who they thought might have information. Good lord. If you remember, these are the people who were like, oh, we don't have enough evidence. We can't bother them. What the fuck? Uh, one such person, a Mr. Rudolph Brockman, was almost hanged for the crime of befriending the Bender men when they first rolled into oh town. Oh, my God. Uh, he, of course, didn't have any information, but 23 years later, he was convicted of torturing his 16-year-old daughter to death. So... Oh, uh, so he wasn't cool. He wasn't well, but, cool. He just didn't you know, know anything about the Benders. It doesn't sound like anyone from this area of Kansas was real cool at the time. Very few cool people. I mean, there's our friend Julie from the beginning. Uh, yeah. Who knew how to get out of a bad situation. (laughs) Just tell him he gotta take a poop. (laughs) Gotta drop the kids off at the pool. (laughs) I don't know why the phrase outhouse steakhouse came to mind. (laughs) Really gives the bloom an onion a whole new light (laughs) (laughs) why are there so many poop jokes in this episode a combined reward of three thousand dollars would be offered for information leading to the capture of the benders but the search for the family would hit an early roadblock when it was discovered they had been lying about their identities oh really also let's check all right let's check an inflation calculator and we can only go back as far as 1913 so In 1913, $3,000 is roughly equivalent to $77,000 today. That is a respectable reward. Inflation is disgusting. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's um, 2,500% increase. So it's probably close to like $85,000. Yeah, I would imagine between the 70s and the... Yeah, yeah, for information um, leading to their arrest. So... Though Ma and Kate were alleged to actually be a mother and daughter, Pa and John Jr. were unrelated to the women and to each other, at least by blood. Um, Some who knew the family before they fled said it was clear to them that Kate and John Jr. were actually a married couple rather than a brother and sister. Or they could be brother and sister and it's some... I mean, they could be Lannisters. Some real Game of Thrones shit over here. (laughs) I I wouldn't be surprised. Nah. But, yeah, um, they were almost definitely married. And then Pa was just some pa, wolfman they picked up yes. along the way. Uh, pa Bender was speculated to be a man named John Flickinger, who had, been, who had immigrated from either Germany or the Netherlands. And John Jr. was said to actually be named John Gebhardt, 
um, based on an inscription in a Bible which had been found at the house. Uh, Ma has the most extensive backstory of all of the Benders for all of the nothing that we've had on her previously. Uh, So she supposedly went by the name Elvira Bender. She was said to actually be named Elmira Hill Mark. Um, She had been worn somewhere in the Adrian? How do you pronounce those mountains? Which ones? Adrian? I I I can't see the word, Emily. I know. Uh, she had been born somewhere in the Adirondack Mountains, which I don't know where those are. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to Google that. Oh, up like upstate New York. Oh, yeah. So that's where Ma was allegedly born. And she was first married to a man named Simon Mark, with whom she had 12 children. Holy mother of God. The fifth of Look- those children was Kate, who had been born Sarah. Yeah, who had been born Sarah Elizabeth Mark. Uh, si- <gasps> yes, I know. Sarah is my name. Elizabeth is my mother's name. She spells it with an H. <gasps> oh, so she's dead to me. I mean, yeah, it's 1870. <laughs> she, was in, she was in like her 20s then, so probably in her mid to late deads now. Simon Mark died and Elmira went on to marry a man named William Stephen Griffith, who also died. And both men allegedly were hit by... or were killed by hammer blows to the back of the head. Oh, so she defo did that. Another rumor that surrounded the family was that Ma Bender had killed her other children because they had been witnesses to her previous husband's murders. <laughs> what? Leaving only Kate. Because Kate's How? a so- sociopath, too, so she probably witnessed it and was like, hmm. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> it's, you know, the late 1800s, so there's no life insurance, but good job, Mom. I was going to say, why don't... If you want to kill your husband, maybe do it in a place your kids can't see. I mean... Though I guess maybe it's less they were, like, physically there and just they kind of figured it out because their mom was crazy or and they their were, dad was dead. Or they were living in a one-room cabin in the fucking woods. <laughs> I mean, there's that, but you can lure people away. <laughs> anyway, so Ma Bender might have killed um 14 people. <laughs> Good for her. Give or take. Uh, Yeah, no one knew who these people were at all. It's really easy to lie about your identity in the Wild West because, like, no one's keeping track. The same thing that yeah, kept them no. from getting found it's not out. not like you can Google people. Yeah. There were no driver's licenses. Uh, none of these stories of the real identities of the Bender family have ever been officially confirmed. And it comes from often conflicting reports, which is... You don't say... Yeah, which is why so many modern accounts, this one included, tend to vary on the details, so I don't want your goddamn emails. (laughs) No one fucking knows. That's the thing. Uh, All four had bought train tickets to Humboldt, Kansas. Supposedly, Kate and John Jr. got off at Chanute, Kansas, and switched to a train going near Denison, Texas instead. From here, it's thought that the two traveled on to an outlaw colony, um, and that's where the trail ended on them. That sounds cool. This uh, quote-unquote outlaw colony they joined was an area known to be deadly for law enforcement, which I don't really think should stop them, as it is their job. (laughs) It's like, oh, we can't go into that drug den. They have guns. (laughs) Just let them have the cocaine. Just, yeah. However, supposedly one detective claimed to have tracked them down and found John Jr. dead from apoplexy, which I don't know what that is. Apoplexy. I'm going to assume it's terrible. Uh, Unconsciousness or incapacity resulting from cerebral hemorrhage or stroke. Oh, yeah, that sounds bad. It's from eating all those salted meats and smoking, (laughs) I assume. And just living in old-timey days. Yes. When everything killed you. Uh, Meanwhile, Ma and Pa had gone to Kansas City. That's the folksiest thing I'm going to say in this episode. (laughs) The investigation believed them to have bought tickets going to St. Louis, but nothing seems to be known after this. No person. I'm surprised that they were able to track them anywhere. Yeah, I think. Are there receipts? There's no, like, credit cards. Or what trail are they following? Well, I mean, they had some drawings and pictures of them that were available. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I found them. So if I found them, I assumed someone else could find them back in the day. You'd think. Um, so they probably took those pictures to the one train station within walking distance. They were like, have you seen these people? And then kind of followed the trail from there. Yeah, that makes sense. You know how they did it in olden times. 
Um, no person or group ever claimed any of the reward money being offered, although several vigilante groups... Vigilante? I can't talk anymore today. Uh, ...formed <laughs> to track down the benders, and a few claimed to have found them. One story said that a group had shot Ma, Pa, and John Jr. and then burned Kate alive. I don't know why they saved that for Kate. Good lord. I was going to say, she wasn't the one... Well, I'm sure she was still terrible, but not doing the actual physical murders. Um, a different story told of a group that lynched them and threw the bodies into the Verdigris River, which is in... Apparently it's a restaurant in Portland. Oh, hey. It's a river in Oklahoma. Ooh, that is muddy as hell. Well, yeah. Please look at this river. Yeah, that's a muddy river. <laughs> yep. I'll make sure to put that on the slideshow for everybody. I don't have any more pictures of Ben Feldman shirtless, so we're going to have to take what we can get. <laughs> Um, yet another story, uh, from another group of people told of a group that killed them in a gunfight and buried the bodies. That sounds like the coolest one. I imagine them going out kind of like the Firefly family in, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses and, um, that other one that the Fireflies were in, Devil's Rejects. That's I'm, the one. I'm not going to be able to help you here. No. That uh, sounds right. Yeah. They're, I don't know if they're Sarah friendly movies. I mean, Chris Hardwick does get scalped, and Dwight Schrute gets turned into a, a human mermaid, so. Oh, well, yeah. that sounds nice. Yeah. Sorry, spoilers, I guess, for House of <laughs> a Thousand Corpses. It's been out for, like, 15 years, though, so. um, Yeah, none of these stories were confirmed, obviously, and the search for the benders went on for at least the next 50 years. Hmm. It wasn't unheard of for two women traveling together to be accused of being Ma and Kate Bender, and in 1889, two women were extradited from Detroit on suspicion of being Ma and Kate Bender. The women- Well, you know, women on their own, definitely murderers. Well, the, the women went by the names Elmira Monroe and Sarah Eliza Davis. Uh, Sarah allegedly told the police that Elmira was Ma Bender, but that she was one of Ma's other children, not Kate. Oh, that's suspicious. <laughs> However, witnesses in Labette County were not able to conclusively identify the women, and the case against them would never go to trial. Can you imagine that lineup? <laughs> in 1884, a man named John Flickinger uh, reportedly committed suicide in Lake Michigan. Some believe this man to be Pa Bender, though, of course, this is unconfirmed. Also, it's just he shares a name. Yeah. It was even rumored that this was not a suicide, but a murder committed by Ma and Kate after Pa fled with the valuables stolen from their victims. Like, ten years after the fact. I would watch that movie. A movie about the benders after the murders? No, just any movie where, like, you're a serial-killing family, and you rob people, and y'all make off, but then, like, one dickhead goes off with all the treasure, and then it's just you and your mom hunting down that dickhead. Isn't that the Goonies? I, was there that much murder in the Goonies? I assume that the Ma and the others that I can't remember the name of, the Fratellis, committed some murders. They were going to straight up murder all of those children. That's true. They kept their, you know, disabled brother in a basement. Man, the Goonies was fucked up. <laughs> hmm. Also in 1884, a man matching Pa's description was arrested in Montana for a murder that he had allegedly committed in Idaho, where the victim was killed with a blow to the head from a hammer. In his defense, that's how most murders would have had to be committed back then. Hammers were abundant. And, yeah, I say it's kind of like why there were just so many axe murders, because everyone had an axe. Don't step on my keyboard. Yeah. Sorry, my cat is super obnoxious <laughs> all the time. Yes, you finally made it up to the chair. Are you proud of yourself? <laughs> I put a chair here because I'm like, maybe if I put a chair here, she'll sit on the chair instead of bugging me. She's Doesn't trying. Um, so law enforcement requested identification, but before that could happen, the man severed his own foot in an escape attempt and ended up what bleeding to death. Fuck! By the time someone from Cherryvale was able to arrive, the body had decomposed so badly that identification was impossible. Good lord. The skull of this man was on display in a saloon in Salmon, Idaho, labeled as Pa Bender up until 1920 when the bar was closed due to prohibition. After this, the skull <laughs> disappeared. So today, a historical marker stands at a rest area near where the house once stood. Nothing remains of the house itself. Uh, time and souvenir hunters have completely <laughs> destroyed it. And let me find you a picture of that um, marker. 
And if you would like to do me a favor and read as much as you feel like you want to read. I would love to. That is some historical marker. Yeah. Near here are the Bender Mounds, named for the infamous Bender family, John, his wife, son, and daughter Kate, who settled here in 1871. Kate soon gained notoriety as a self-proclaimed healer and spiritualist. Secretly, the four made a living through murder and robbery. I'm not going to read the whole thing because, I mean, we just had a whole episode about it. Yeah, it's, we'll put it on the the Instagram. Yeah. Um, Benders are believed to have killed about a dozen people, including one child. At least. At least. (sighs) In 1961, Cherryvale, Kansas, opened up the Bender Museum. For the museum, an exact replica of the Bender's cabin was built, and it housed artifacts such as the hammers used in the killing and contemporary contemporary photos and newspaper clippings. Some Cherryvale residents weren't happy with the museum, as they didn't want their town to be so closely associated with the killings. In 1978, the museum was closed, and a fire station was built on the land. However, the artifacts were relocated to the Cherry Vale Museum and can still be seen there today. Road trip. Never no, going I'm to Kansas. Kidding. I don't want to go to Kansas. Don't tell. My sister-in-law's from Kansas. Don't tell her I said that. <laughs> um, yeah, so we don't know anything for sure, like, at all. No, I mean. At least we are kind of just assuming that, like, what was written down, A, was the truth to begin with, B, wasn't exaggerated any. We're trusting a bunch of pioneers, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, here's um, one more picture for you. Oh, cute. It's like a little diorama. Yes. Not hard. It's spelled groceries the wrong way. Well, you know. Or, well, the right way. The wrong way if you're a bender. So, again, for reference and because I would be super shitty at my job if I didn't tell you who the victims were. Oh, right. Yeah. Here's a list and what we know about them or what I could find in like a cursory Google search because like I was telling you earlier, there's so many conflicting events that I had to find stories and then match them up against Harold Schechter's book. And like, it's insane. Oh, and I'll also talk about the Laurel Ingalls Wilder being a dirty rotten liar thing. (laughs) Don't disparage my beautiful Laura Ingalls Wilder. Um, all right. May 1871, Mr. Jones Body found in Drum Creek with crushed skull and his throat cut. Winter 1871-1872, two unidentified men found on the prairie um, in February with crushed skulls and their throats slit. 1872, Ben Brown from Howard County, Kansas. Uh, $2,600 in 1872 money were missing. Not bad. He was buried in the apple orchard. Um, 1872, W.F. McCrotty who was a soldier, um, $38 were missing, and a wagon with a team of horses were also missing. Uh, December 1872, Henry McKenzie relocating to... Actually, all of these are December 1872 when they actually found the bodies. Um, Henry McKenzie, who was relocating to Independence from Hamilton County, Indiana. He had $36 missing and a matched team of horses that were also missing. Uh, Johnny Boyle from Howard County, Kansas, missing $10, a horse... um, and an $850 saddle was missing. Uh, he was Damn. He was found in the Bender's well. Uh. George Newton Longcore and his 18-month-old daughter, Mary Ann. Um, um. Mary Ann is reported as being either 8 years old or 18 months old. And for the purpose of the story, I went with, you know, 18. Because but... it's sadder? Yeah, whatever the fuck you want at this point. <laughs> she was either <laughs> 2 or 8. According to the 1870 census, George and his wife Mary Jane were neighbors of Charles Ingalls and family (sighs) in Independence, while his wife's parents lived two houses away. Following the death of his infant son Robert from pneumonia and his 21-year-old wife Mary Jane, um, and following the birth of Mary Ann, George was likely returning to the home of his parents in Lee County, Iowa. Um, He was missing... $1,900 Nineteen hundred dollars in uh, eighteen seventy-two money, and That's his not a bad amount. And his daughter was thought to be buried alive. They were found in the apple orchard. Uh, Doctor William York was missing two thousand dollars, and he was also buried in the apple orchard. And then unknown times, the bodies found in the orchard were John Greary, an unidentified male, another unidentified male, and an unidentified female, plus various body parts that don't belong to any of the other victims. 
and are believed to belong to at least three additional victims. Oof. In 1873, during the search, the bodies of four unidentified males were found in Drum Creek and the surrounding area. All four had crushed skulls and cut throats. One might have been a man named Jack Bogart, whose horse was purchased from the front from a friend of the Benders after he went missing in 1872. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to address the little house on the prairie thing, uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder alleged that her father, Pa, the most common Little name pa. in the prairie, um, joined the vigilante hunt for the killers. And while he spoke of later searches for them, she recalled, quote, at such times, Pa always said in a strange tone of finality, they will never be found. They were never found. And later I formed my own conclusions. Why? Unquote. Some have cast doubt on the story, saying that Laura would have been only four when her family moved away from the area and that the benders were exposed in 1873, two years after the Ingalls left. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of hard to... Where did they go from Kansas? They started in Wisconsin, down to Kansas, then up to Minnesota again, I think. So they probably would have been in Minnesota by that time. Yeah, so they were neighbors with um, the Long Corps, but timeline doesn't quite match yeah. up. Um, also, that's just like a vague thing and probably jumping to conclusions. Yeah. So an hour and 11 minutes later, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> That's all I can fucking tell you about the Benders. That is the most comprehensive story I've heard. I am. Like, of like, because I've heard the Benders story a couple of times in a couple of different sources. Yeah. I mean, I've heard it a bunch and of times. And like, that was new. I've heard it a bunch of times. I've done somewhat deep digs. It's always the same, like, farmhouse, blah, 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 ran away. No one knows who they are. Yeah. I'm sure there's only so much information that, like, just straight up exists. Well, even the book that. I'm just going to keep plugging that I read a fucking book for this. Um, <laughs> the book is not that long. Just like a real podcast. Yeah. I listened to it. <laughs> uh, it's not that long. Like, there's so much that we don't know. And it since there's no, like, good records being kept, because this is back in the day when, like, newspapers would just lie up. and no one would call them on it because no one knew. So, yeah, it's all subjective. Mm-hmm. We just know that, you know, 11 to however many people died in the same way around this family. And that's pretty grim. Yes. Uh, Pioneer Time... Kind of our wheelhouse. Yeah, Pioneer Times were disgusting and awful. Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't pay me enough money in the world. Just wait till it's long enough... time travel. Just wait till it's long enough past when Last Podcast has done their Donner Party series and we do the Donner Party. And treat it it with infinitely less respect. (laughs) Uh, So, let's see. The, uh... The giveaway is done. Yeah, it'll be this. Well, I guess today, technically, the day the episode releases, May 15th, is the last day. So we will be accepting submissions till midnight? Like midnight, yeah. Okay. And let's make it Pacific time. Sure. So get those last minute entries in. Uh, We will tweet and Instagram out the winners. Yes. Um. And also just, like, contact you and then yeah, you know. Yeah, we're not just going to be like, hey, this is yours, and then <laughs> that's it. Um, Let's see. So, rate, review on iTunes. Uh, Please. Say whatever you want. Just leave a five-star review. Yeah. Um, Yell at me for reading the wrong book. I don't know. If you want to fight with us, we're on Twitter at Afternoonified. The place for fights. On Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Also on Instagram at Afternoonified. And, and that's where I'll post all these fun pictures of Muddy Rivers and <laughs> Wolfman. I was going to say, isn't Muddy Rivers like a, a jazz musician, but I think it's Muddy Waters. Right, Travis? Yeah, that sounds right. Muddy Waters, that's a person? Never mind. Uh, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash getafternoonified. The pictures also go up there if you're not into Instagram but are somehow into Facebook. Um getafternoonified.com is our website you can listen to old episodes you can read about what we're doing um you can donate you can actually just donate clicking on the description for this episode i don't know if you guys knew that really yeah i didn't know that there's a link to our there's a link to our tip jar um should we discuss what we're planning on doing for our big thirty-five thousand listens yeah we have officially reached that milestone right yeah Yay! Uh, yeah, that's roughly 10,000 listens a year, which is a lot. <laughs> it's more than, I mean, 
That's a lot of people. It's enough where we know it's not just Sadie and our moms. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it would be real weird if it was your mom, but... (laughs) My mom is listening from beyond the grave. (laughs) Um, So, as a, a treat, I guess... Um, we'll have a very special guest on the next episode. Um, you've heard him before, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. But then we are going to be recording our very own commentary track (laughs) for the should-be-Oscar-nominated film As Above, So Below. You might be familiar with it. Emily works it into every episode. They have paid me money. (laughs) (laughs) So um, that's going to be a bonus for you guys for listening 35,000 times which is pretty good yeah it's oh, and, a- I see, and that's in conjunction with i mean we're not going to just like randomly release a yeah. commentary track we're also doing an episode on the catacombs so yes. you can learn <laughs> a little history yes it has nothing to do with the uh, philosopher's stone weirdly <laughs> enough so uh look out for that that's going to be probably in june end of june yeah some sometime in that area it's, it's not going to take very long for us to do just- no gotta record when i watch the movie on my weekly basis (laughs) anyway so that's all i got um that's all i got yeah special guest next episode can we just say it's joe from thinking sideways it's joe from thinking sideways (laughs) so if you have any questions about ghost ships or thinking sideways i think now would probably be the time to like roll those out into our email or on twitter yes we will bring them to joe who we love dearly and who knows about boats which I do not. I would say I specifically requested, like, if we're going to have Joe on, we have to do an episode about boats. I was I hoping I could find an actual ghost boat that that's not a ship, like a ghost tugboat. But <laughs> they keep pretty good track a ghost of those. Dinghy. <laughs> it's, it's a ghost canoe. Anyway, I'm going to go eat this pizza. Um, I'm going to bed. <laughs> All right, Nana. It's 940. All right. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, we love you.